mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, we're counting down to kickoff with a preview of all of the area's games for week number one of a new season on the Gridiron. Also this morning, speaking of high school football, everyone remembers the Bishop Sycamore scam and embarrassment for high school athletics, but how did it happen and could it happen again? An eye-opening conversation with former OHSAA executive Ben Faree, co-author of the new book, Friday Night Lies. In this final weekend before Findlay City School students begin the new year, we have some last-minute back-to-school prep to take care of and another collection of yummy and easy-to-make family recipes from Kyra's Kitchen. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Friday, August 18th, 2023. So among the first things you need to know this morning, the most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day, this uh, piece here jumped out at me on the newswire when I saw it. And I I think every couple has had this experience. Um, Guys, does this ever happen? My wife will go shopping, right? My wife will go shopping and she'll come home with a trunk load of new stuff. (laughs) I mean, uh, so many, so many bags and packages that she's got to make multiple trips from the car uh, to bring it all in the house. And she'll uh, come in and she'll brag about all the money she saved. <laughs> and when we have this, this uh, discussion, <laughs> it's kind of a good natured, a good natured argument um, about how much money she saved. And I always say, Really? Yeah. How much more money do we have in the bank account now than we did when you left? <laughs> Talk about how much money you saved buying all of this stuff. Well, apparently the ladies get the last laugh. Um, it's all girl math is what they call it. There's a uh, there's a user on Twitter who went on a rant uh, about this uh, saying that Her girl math in these calculations is this. If you pay cash for something, the item is free. (laughs) If you if you put it on the card or, you know, something like that, then then it costs. But if you pay cash, it's free. And uh, if uh, some places a store is having a sale, you are losing money. The argument is if you don't buy the things that you need when they're on sale. Uh, other girl math tricks include rounding figures down, and that's another thing my wife does. It drives me nuts if something is seven ninety nine. She'll say it's seven dollars, whereas I look at seven ninety nine. That's eight bucks, right? Um, I think normal people would look at that as eight bucks. My wife looks at it as seven dollars. So rounding down is a, a girl math thing. Dividing the item's price by how many times you will use that item. For example, if you buy a $300 dress and wear it 20 times, girl math says you're really only paying $15. uh, $300 divided by 20 times wearing it. Um, That's girl math. Some girl math, and this is the reason why Apparently, the ladies have the last laugh in this because uh, one economist weighed in on this saying it actually makes sense. In many respects, Brad Olson, who is an economist, says everyone is thinking like an economist thinks. Girl math is closer to the way an economist thinks. Uh, That is to say economies of scale. How do I get the most bang for my buck? It's not just about the money you spend, but how wisely you spend the money. So apparently, ladies, you're getting the last laugh here, and you've been right all along with your girl math. All right. I'm not convinced. I'm thinking that uh, Brad Olson, this economist here, is probably just trying to score points with his wife. But that's what he says. And who am I to argue? I'm not an economist, so who am I to argue? (laughs) Um, Speaking of uh, things online that uh, create a buzz, this is sort of a a follow-up to a story that we had last week. Another example of why 
maybe we should go back to just minding our own business. You remember the story that we were talking about, and it might have been last Friday that we were talking about this, the lady who had a meltdown on a plane um, and the video of her outburst that led her to be escorted off the plane was posted on social media. It went viral, and now she is saying, hey, um, please give me back my privacy. Give me my back. Uh, give me my life back. It was a very bad day. I regret it. Um, and we were talking about it last week. Should people be judged by their worst moments? Um, well, here is, or should we just go back to minding our own business? Here is another example. A uh, guy on TikTok posted a video about how he was accused of cheating on his wife because while he was waiting for his flight, he was sitting there waiting to board his flight, and he sent uh, two text messages saying, I love you, to two different people. So he texts the first person uh, and says, I love you. Then he sends out a second test, uh, a second text that said, I love you. And the woman who was sitting next to him waiting to board the plane uh, was snooping and gave him a bunch of grief for sending out two I love you texts. Uh, the lady sitting next to me said I should be ashamed of myself, he said. She then threatened to expose him on social media. The other woman that the man was texting was his daughter. He was sending two I love you texts, one to his wife, one to his daughter. But of course, she did not know that, nor did she bother to figure that out or learn all of the details. She threatened to expose him on social media, thinking that he had to have been cheating on his wife. So uh, <laughs> his uh, video on TikTok, he kind of sarcastically said, well, I guess I got to tell our, our daughter that I will no longer be able to text her from the plane that I love her because I can only love one girl at a time. That's... This is another example of maybe we should just go back to minding our own business. Just a thought. Because maybe, just maybe, we don't have any idea what's going on in the lives of other people. I'm just saying, I know it's a crazy concept uh, for some people to grasp, but maybe you just don't know everything about strangers around you. Uh, this has been a hot button item in, uh, hot button topic in recent, uh, months and years. Um, where do transgender individuals fall in the hierarchy of sports? All right. Should, uh, transgender women be allowed to participate in women's sports or should they be limited to the gender of their birth. Well, now the International Chess Foundation has banned transgender women from participating in women's chess events. <laughs> the, the new policy will go into effect on August 21st, so this coming Monday, when the Federation does further analysis to issue a final decision on the matter. Transgender women will still be able to participate in events held under open categories, but no longer in strictly women's events. The, the U.S.-based National Center for Transgender Equity lashed out at the decision, saying it is insulting to women, uh, both cis women and trans women, and to the game itself. I, uh, <laughs> I mean, I understand the concern about allowing biological males... Uh, individuals who are born male to participate in women's sports. I get it, and there are a lot of different opinions on this across the board, but is this really a big problem in chess, of all things? <laughs> is this a problem in chess? <laughs> Apparently so, so we've got to uh, put an end to that nip that in the bud we didn't wouldn't want uh, any transgender women to have an unfair advantage in chess you know anyway uh let's see and one other item here among the first things you need to know this morning the most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day uh ai is a 
you know, the, the latest big technological thing. And I, I guess I'm not surprised that we've got this, a new study that finds artificial intelligence has a liberal bias. Yes, that's right. And I guess this is significant because political campaigns, um, government leaders, all looking to leverage AI to help create uh, material content for their election campaigns and you know to promote their administrations and so on. Uh, this warning comes from scientists in the UK in the form of a comprehensive new study using a rigorous method of checking for political bias in the content that AI systems like ChatGPT create. Uh, the researchers found a significant and systemic left-wing bias. Um, Concerns about an inbuilt political bias in ChatGPT have been raised previously, but this is the first large-scale study using a consistent evidence-based analysis, according to the the lead author of the study, Dr. Fabio Matoki. The... For testing, the scientists had the platform impersonate famous politicians and in that character answer a series of 60 ideological questions. Each were asked 100 times and based on the replies, the researchers say the bias in chat GPT was evident. So there's another thing that's the latest thing for everybody to uh, get all up in arms about. Apparently, ChatGPT has a liberal bias. You knew it was only a matter of time before somebody came out and uh, made that charge. There you go. Some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Friday morning started. WFIN News. I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather. Plenty of sunshine expected today with a high in the mid-70s. Clear skies tonight, a low in the low 50s. The Finley Police Department says one teen was stabbed and another suffered a broken leg in a fight among a group of juveniles. Police responded to the 1800 block of South Blanchard Street for a male lying on the ground with a broken leg. At the time police were arriving on the scene, a teen arrived at Blanchard Valley Hospital with a stab wound. Police say their investigation revealed that an earlier altercation at the high school spilled over into a fight among four teens at Fort Finley Playground. Both of the injured teens were treated at Blanchard Valley Hospital. The incident remains under investigation. Voters will decide in November whether Ohio should become the 24th state to allow recreational marijuana. If passed, the measure would allow adults 21 and over to buy and possess up to two and a half ounces of cannabis and grow plants at home. Now, a 10 percent tax would be imposed on purchases to be spent on administrative costs and addiction treatment programs. A study from Ohio State University found that the plan could generate about $275 million to $450 million in tax revenue after five years. The Humane Society and SPCA of Hancock County says their new Rainbow Bridge will be part of their grief recovery classes they'll be offering in the fall. Whatever helps them emotionally heal, if it's crossing the bridge, if it's crossing the bridge and leaving a collar, if it's just one of them, if it's just sitting, observing, whatever helps them. The Humane Society's Natalie Reffitt says it's always important to never bottle up your grief inside. Make sure you give yourself time to grieve. See video of their new Rainbow Bridge with the story on our website. Liberty Benton Local Schools will be holding a grand opening celebration for their new elementary middle school. It will be held on Monday, August 28th, beginning at 4 p.m. The event will include food, music, and walkthroughs of the new school and the renovated high school. A ribbon cutting will take place from 6 to 6.15 in front of the new school. The first day of school in Liberty Benton Local Schools will be Tuesday, September 5th. Remember, you can always get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. Matt Demchek for 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM. Any high school football fan in Ohio is now familiar with the story of Bishop Sycamore, the bogus athletic academy that was outed as a scam after being embarrassed on national television back in 2021. Well, Ben Faree is a former assistant director of officiating and sports management at the Ohio High School Athletic Association who has co-authored a new book which tells the part of the story we've never heard, How It Happened. 
Ben, thanks very much for uh, taking the time. First of all, we appreciate it. I'm happy to be here. Thank you for having me. So that's really the question that so many ha- uh, so many people had when this hit the fan uh, a couple of years ago. There's this school that no one's ever heard of before. Uh, suddenly they're playing on ESPN and it becomes obvious that something isn't right. Turns out to be a scam and immediately the question comes, how did the OHSAA let this happen? So the OHSAA knew that this was not a you know real program pretty quickly after they came onto the scene uh, in late 2017, early 2018. Uh, the OHSAA informed schools of what was going on, uh, but uh, the OHSAA gives schools a lot of uh, flexibility. They give schools a lot of leeway. Schools are allowed to play anybody that they want to play. Mm-hmm. If a school wants to play the Cleveland Browns, uh, they can play the Cleveland Browns. It might not be a good idea, but there would be nothing against OHSA policy um, that would prevent them from doing so. So even though the OHSA knew it was a scam, knew that this program was not on the up and up, and informed schools of that, some schools still chose to play them. So, again, something just to reiterate what you were saying as far back as 2017, you know, you knew that something was not right uh, about this program. What was the first sign? I mean, how did this come to the attention of the OHSAA originally? Yeah, so uh, in year one, their first year as a program, they didn't go by the name Bishop Sycamore. They went by the name COF Academy, Christians of Faith Academy. Uh, as people that enjoy high school football know, um, not every team in football makes the playoffs. There is a point system that's used, a formula, and all of that is based off of enrollment. You know, you get more points for beating a bigger school, mm-hmm. so on and so forth. Uh, so when we have schools that are not OHSAA members that play our member schools, we have to uh, find out what their enrollment is so that we can make the appropriate points calculation. Most of the time, that's teams from out of state. Uh, occasionally perhaps a team from Canada, something like that. Right. Uh, but in this year, so back in 2018, 2017, um, COF Academy was cropping up on uh, school schedule. We had never heard of them before, and we couldn't really verify their enrollment. They would give us a lot of different numbers. They would say a lot of different things. But the two things that were stood out as red flags were they said, we're a first-year school. We're going to be starting in Columbus, Ohio. And we're going to have 700 students. Now, 700 students is a lot of students. That would have made them D1. I don't think they realized just how big of a lie that was. Just how many resources you would need if you were going to be educating 700 youth. And to top it all off, they said that they were going to be in Columbus, Ohio. Well, that's where the OHSA offices were. Trust me, if there was a 700-person high school coming to Columbus, the OHSA would have known all about it yeah. well before uh, that program was ready to play athletic. Especially under the guise of being an athletic academy. So the more you learn about this Bishop Sycamore program or the uh, COF Academy, as it was formerly known, the more obvious it is that this is a scam. But what was the most outrageous or egregious part that you learned about this scheme because you know that was the first indication but you spent a lot of time personally looking into this and you know when you peel back the layers you find more and more that just you know more and more signs this just isn't right what was the most outrageous or egregious thing that they were doing that's a great question because there are so many things that that went wrong and there's probably 20 that you could pick from but for me one of the things that I think was the most egregious because it is something that could have the most lasting impact is the, the coach that, would, that ran this scheme. He would set up the players in apartment, in apartment units uh, and say, you know, this is your dorm, essentially. This is where we are staying. Mm-hmm. And he would never pay the bills for those places. He mm-hmm. would never pay a dime. They would always end up getting evicted but he would put those apartments in the kids' names. So now these people have evictions on their record that can affect their credit, that can affect 
the type of apartment they're able to get later in life. Wow. That they had no idea that this was in their name. They had no idea that bills weren't being paid. They trusted the adult in the room to do what he said he was going to do. Yeah. And now that's something that they're going to have to deal with for a long time. Yeah. So it clearly becomes obvious that this is about far more than just high school athletics. So you're out there uh, trying to personally, again, you personally are out there uh, trying to warn other schools that this program is not what they claim to be. Why wasn't anyone listening? A lot of people did listen. You know, when you think about it, there are over 700 schools in Ohio that play football and there's only you know a handful of schools that played Bishop Sycamore. You only mm-hmm. need to, to fool ten people to make a schedule. Yeah, um, and they play people all across the country. Um, the the sad part is that the there are schools in Ohio that knew they were a scam. They listened. They believed us and said, "We don't care. It is more important to us to have a home football game because we haven't been able to find anyone else to play us for whatever reason, and it's more important to us." to have a home football game so that we can get that money than to take a bye week and not play Bishop Sycamore. Yeah. Is there any evidence that the people behind Bishop Sycamore had honorable intentions from the outset that they tried to make a legitimate go of it and that things just devolved so quickly that they couldn't find their way out? There's not really any evidence to that. And, you know, the the main uh, piece of evidence to that point is if they had any good intentions and it all fell apart, they would have stopped after year one. Yeah. Uh, instead, what they did was after it fell apart in year one, they changed the name and just kept trying to do it again. Kind of doubled down uh, on the whole thing. When the, exactly. And then when the pandemic hit in 2020 and people were, you know, it was even that much harder to schedule football games. That's when they, you know, really, again, uh, made all their inroads and eventually, as you stated at the top of the program, made it onto ESPN. Yeah. Is there anything unique about the structure of high school athletics in Ohio, some kind of flaw in the oversight that allowed this to happen here? Or is it something that could have happened anywhere, it just so happened to be in Ohio? Yeah, there are a couple of flaws that allowed it to happen here. One is that the OHSAA allows schools to play anybody that they want. Yeah. That is very rare. Of the 51 state associations, the 50 states plus D.C., I think Ohio is one of only two states that lets that happen. Most states have a rule that you have to be a member of your state's association to play. Mm-hmm. So you're not to be, you have to be a member of the OHSA if you're in Ohio, the, the PIAA if you're in Pennsylvania, etc. So that allowed it to happen here. Uh, the other sort of oversight lapse is that because Bishop Sycamore uh, registered with the Ohio Department of Education as a uh, non-chartered uh, religious school, basically they, they didn't accept any tax money. They didn't have any chartering board. They claimed that they were doing it for religious reasons. That gave the Ohio Department of Education zero Mm. oversight into the program as well. The ODE uh, did a full report uh, about the lapses in the system that allowed something like Bishop Sycamore to occur. And they proposed seven recommendations, seven changes to law to try and prevent something like this from happening again. Uh, Governor DeWine said that he approved of all seven recommendations, thought they were good ideas, but those changes had to be proposed by the legislature. And to this point in time, you know, now we're two years down the road from when this ODE report came out. Mm-hmm. None of those changes have actually been proposed by any lawmakers. Yeah. Um, similarly, I would guess that the OHSAA did some soul searching, and I know uh, that they uh, actually did make some proposals to tighten the oversight to prevent something like this uh, from happening again. But again, similar situation. There were proposals, but nothing uh, really implemented. Yeah, I mean, to this day, OHSA schools can still play anybody that they want to play. If Bishop Sycamore or a similar school crops back up, which 
does sort of seem inevitable. It does seem like this is something that somebody will try again in some sport, maybe not football, but maybe basketball. Who knows? Mm-hmm. They would be allowed to play Ohio schools. Mm. Uh, really is uh, interesting. One can only hope then that the schools that were caught up in this by association and had that embarrassment will have learned their lesson and won't let themselves become involved in something like that again. Because as you mentioned, if no schools will play them, then another Bishop Sycamore just won't happen. The book is called Friday Night Lies, uh, which is a great title. Uh, it actually is out the 1st of September. Where do folks learn more about it? Well, you can pre-order it right now from all of your normal uh, book retailers, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Target, wherever you buy your books, wherever books are sold, you'll find it there. Ben Free, again, former assistant director of officiating and sports management at the Ohio High School Athletic Association, co-author of Friday Night Lies, the Bishop Sycamore story. Ben, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Well, thank you for having me. It is one of the greatest nights of the year the very first friday night football games week number one of a new high school football season and hope begins anew for all the area teams fresh slate ready to go ready to get after it Finley head coach stefan adams is now into his third year at the helm of the trojans talked with Coach's Corner host John Marshall earlier this week about kicking off a new campaign and a new era for his Trojans. This is year three of your tenure as the Trojan football coach. Do you feel like you're settled in and, and feeling like you've in, you're starting to instill the culture that you want to have in the team? Well, yeah, it's definitely an ongoing process, but I do feel like we are at a great point in time. I think uh, I've been extremely happy with the work that our kids have put in in this offseason. Um, I think we've kind of transitioned into being kind of a coach-led team to a player-led team. So I feel we're definitely headed in the right direction. I think our attendance numbers in the weight room in the offseason were great. I think the buy-ins being there. And uh, I, I know there was a point in time where I went to go correct a kid real quick. And one of my players said, Coach, I got it. That's how I knew we were on the right track. Now, something that's new this season is the switch to the Northern Lakes League. Yep. You're going to continue to see Clay and Whitmer yep. and Ross in the new league, but you'll be playing conference games with yep. Anthony Wayne, Bowling Green, Napoleon, Perrysburg, Holland Springfield, the Sylvania schools. What's your take on the new look NLL? Exciting. Um, I think, obviously, we have a great opportunity to, to create new uh, traditions, you know, new rivalries, uh, be able to see new stadiums and also be able to just compete against some of the top coaches in the area. Now, I saw last weekend that former Trojan Luke Montgomery removed the black stripe from yeah. his helmet with the Buckeyes. He was a big influence in your line last year, both offensive and defensive. Correct. What's the outlook for, say, your defensive line this year? Yeah, uh, well, Ashton Yeager's back. Um, he's a, you know, a three-year three letterman as a junior uh, this year. He'll be a three-year letterman. And then you have uh, Elijah Johnson, who's a senior for us. And he's a, a two-time letterman and will do a great job as well. Uh, a lot more experience, a lot more seasoned at the position. Uh, so I think those two guys are kind of like the, the veteran leaders on that, that, that gr in that group and on that line. And uh, they've done a great job so far doing what we've asked them to do. So linebacker in core, uh, two-time captain Nate Regal. Uh, he played some DN and some linebacker for us more this year. Uh, we have Isaac Tualoma, who's a senior as well, too, who's uh, about six foot six one and 215 pounds, and he just loves to run and tackle. Uh, so really excited about him. And then uh, we have a young guy, uh, Campbell Lane, who's a junior, first time uh, getting a chance to start on a big stage, and uh, he's done a great job this offseason and during camp. Now, offense, it all starts with the line. What does the pit look like on that side? Yeah, we definitely have some, uh, some youth, uh, some inexperience there, but at the same time, I think the guys have done a great job of putting the work in in the offseason. We lost five senior offensive linemen last year. Four of them were starters. And, you know, you, you kind of start really getting your heart beating a little bit after the season's <laughs> over, right, about what next year looks like. But the unique thing and the good thing about high school football or, and anywhere you are as a coach, people always seem to rise to the occasion. Kids always, somebody always seems to step up. And uh, I think we've had a, a great offseason and unfortunately lost Desmond Bailey, our, our only senior 
uh, linemen to an injury during the scrimmage that we had last week. But we got some guys like uh, Baylor Wilkins, who's new to our school, uh, big-time player for us, some youth guys, some sophomores, some juniors. But they, they have been well coached uh, by Matthew Iliff, who coaches our offensive line. So excited to see what they do. They've had a great camp, and they've had a great two scrimmages. Uh, you've got some new names coming in terms of backs and receivers. So some familiar names. You might have heard Javante Hill last year. Uh, Javante is a top talent in our, in our school. I mean, he's a guy, one of those guys that he can uh, football, basketball, and baseball, and he can excel in. And then today we were just kind of messing around a little bit. He can even kick field goals really well. <laughs> you know, just one of those guys that can do a lot of things well. Austin Hasselback, um, Reese Little, Reese Little uh, into the fold as well too, and then Ben Best. So I think we have a, we have a, a good group that's ready to take off. And Ryan Montgomery back at quarterback as a junior. What are your expect- expectations for him this season? Just to continue to grow his leadership. Um, you know, freshman year is freshman year, right? You're out there just kind of running around and throwing the ball to some really talented guys. You know, no pressure on him, right? Mm-hmm. Sophomore year was a growing year. And then mm-hmm. I'll say this year he's really done a good job of, of, of growing his leadership, his command of the offense, his knowledge of the offense, uh, and just his, his ability to work to push and make himself better, but not just himself, also his receiving core as well, too. Those guys did a lot of things together this summer, led by Ryan. Now, you're going to have to gel pretty quickly yeah. as you open up against the Irish from the Toledo Irish. Central Absolutely. Catholic. There's no secrets about who the uh, who they are. They've established themselves as a program. Coach Dempsey's a guy that I respect a lot and uh, thinks of just a good guy and a guy that I talk to uh, here and there. Um, they, they have pieces, right? I mean, uh, a good program is going to be able to reload every single year. And uh, basically, they had some kids step up. They looked the part. They looked good. They got some big offensive linemen, some good guys on the perimeter on both sides of the ball and the back end on defense. Um, definitely a formidable opponent for the last year's state champion. And I'm, I'm excited to go out and kind of see where we fit in the fold of being a good team, too, against them. I appreciate you taking time to talk with us each week, and I'm looking forward to talking about another successful Trojan football campaign. You got that right. Go Trojans! I'm John Marshall with this high school football preview. The Finley Trojans open a new chapter as members of the Northern Lakes League, but do so with a familiar non-conference opponent. Tonight, they host defending Division II state champion Toledo Central Catholic at Donnell Stadium. Trojan coach Stefan Adams is looking forward to the challenge. Definitely a formidable opponent, last year's state champion. I'm excited to go out and kind of see where we fit in the fold of being a good team, too, against them. You can hear that game tonight at 7 on 1330 WFIN, WFIN.com, and 95.5 FM. Non-conference action is the standard in week one of the season. Van Buren, under new coach Ethan Purser, meets a nearby foe as Fostoria visits Don Masters Field. Fostoria coach Derek Kidwell thinks experience will be the key for his team. I think we have an advantage because you know our staff has been together a lot longer than their staff. There's still some learning curves and transitions there. You know they're multi-dimensional on offense. They give you several different formations, so it's something you got to prepare for. You got to be on your toes and recognize formations. They give you some trick formations where they spread a lineman out with extra receivers and put a tight end backside. We got to be alert for any trick plays or trick formations. Defensively, they're a man-to-man principal team. I'm expecting to see some safety help because the strength of our offense is our receivers, and we got a three-year starter quarterback. I don't think they would go into this game thinking they can just play us man-to-man the whole game, but if they do, you know, we're excited for that opportunity also. That game airs on 100.5 WKXA and at WKXA.com, pregame at 635, kickoff at 7. Two former Blanchard Valley Conference football squads meet up when North Baltimore, now in the Northwest Central Conference, visits Hinkle Field to face independent Van Lu. Arcadia's new coach, Sean Adams, returns to the site of his high school career when the Redskins visit Spikeberry Field at Corey Rawson. Arlington looks to open its season with a win when Hard Northern comes to town. Defending champs of the BBC and Northwest Conference meet tonight when McComb heads to Lafayette and a battle with Allen East. New BBC member Elmwood travels to Metamora for non-league play against Evergreen. Illyria Catholic is at Liberty Benton, and Riverdale hosts Bucyrus. Ottawa Glandorf looks to rebound from a rough year. They open on the road at Eastwood. That game will air on 106.3 The Fox and 106.3TheFox.com. Division 6 Bluffton hosts D4 Benjamin Logan tonight. Lipsick goes to Millbury to take a shot at the Lake Flyers. Upper Side of Valley meets Ada at the Bulldogs' War Memorial Stadium. Carey is on the road against Hopewell Loudon. Again, the broadcasts are Fostoria at Van Buren on WKXA, Toledo Central Catholic at Findlay on WFIN, and OG at Eastwood on 106.3 The Fox. 
with this high school football preview. For Good Mornings, I'm John Marshall, WFIN Sports. Well, if you are not in back-to-school mode yet, you really need to be. I mean, it's crunch time. What are you waiting for? Uh, For Findlay City School students, the final weekend before classes start up again is upon us. And with us once again this morning is Megan Murphy. She is the author of Your Fully Charged Life and also the editor-in-chief of Women's Day with her Ultimate No-Stress Shopping Guide School Edition, Back-to-School Edition with tips on everything from style and wellness trends to dorm room essentials. Megan, thanks very much for joining us once again. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Chris. I've partnered with some really awesome brands to keep you covered for back to school, starting with like the closet clean-out. So I am all about a closet clean-out, and ThreadUp is my go-to. It is convenient consignment at its finest. So what you do is you go to the ThreadUp website, threadup.com slash cleanout, and you're going to get a cleanout kit. It's this polka dot bag. I have one in my closet at all times. I also do it with my kids and keep one in my kids' closet. But you put your gently loved clothing in that bag. You fill it up. You mail it back. And then they do all the work. They take a picture. They post it. They sell it. They ship it. And you get the money. So you can shop on ThreadUp as well. It's a really affordable, sustainable way to do your back-to-school shopping. You're going to have accessories, shoes, all of your favorite brands, up to 90% off of retail pricing. Great way to find some bargains. And for everyone else, it's a great way to to say out with the old and in with the new with all of those new school clothes. I love that. So 100%. Perfect. Yes. So what is your top tip for feeling our best as we head off to start a new school season. We want to start this off on the right foot. So my top tip is don't get sick. <laughs> right, Chris? <laughs> we can't have sick kids. We cannot have sick parents. Everything gets derailed if mom is sick. And that's why I love Airborne. So Airborne is the number one immune support gummies, effervescents, and chewables. There's assorted fruit flavors for both adults and for kids unbeatable amount of vitamin C and a very unique blend of immune-focused ingredients. So we're talking about things like zinc and vitamin A and vitamin E and echinacea and magnesium. They're going to give us that A-plus immune support as we head into the school year. And something Airborne is doing that I think is pretty cool, my mom was a teacher, so I think I love this extra much, is they're going to 240 elementary schools across the country And on back-to-school night, they're going to be giving free airborne gummies to teachers, to parents, and to students. Oh, that is awesome. That is awesome. and uh, for right? I love it. And uh, for the rest of us, it is something we will definitely want to put on our back-to-school shopping list here. Uh, Let's shift gears a little bit, talk about uh, kids who are... Well, I guess not kids anymore if they're heading off to college. Young adults heading off to college, you have some dorm room essentials. So it's all about tricking out your dorm and really cool dorm decor. And my go-to for that is a website called society6.com. Society, the letter, the number six.com. And it's this really cool marketplace that features the designs of independent artists. So there's thousands of designs to choose from, all designed by these independent artists. So if you're in the market for a wall hanging, a poster, pillows, blankets, tapestries, backpacks, you know, tote bags, you name it. There's something for everyone, every style. There's boho, there's modern, there's eclectic, like you name it. There's something for everyone. And this is the part I love the most, Chris, is that the independent artist gets paid when you make a purchase. Oh, It's a really cool way to support the art and get a really unique dorm decor piece. Right now on society6.com, some pretty great sales. So you want to check that out for this back-to-school shopping season. Okay, so I have not been to that website. I'll have to check this out. But I am guessing, just to hear you describe it, that it is probably slightly higher class than some of the posters that we had hanging in our dorm room when we were that age. 
Yeah, so there's no like signed Sopranos poster like my husband had in his college dorm. This is like real, like more artsy um, yeah. and, and a great way to express yourself. I think that's what I really love about styling your dorm room. It's like a really cool way to express yourself and your personality, especially going into freshman year when everybody's new. Uh, I, I really love that, uh, you know, effort to kind of capture your personal yeah. style. Yeah. That is really cool. I have to uh, check that out. What else is new on your back-to-school shopping list this year? Okay, Chris. So this, T. Murphy, I've got three kids, 13, 10, and 11, and they're obsessed with petty pocket blankets. My middle son, James, carries his around. like I call him Linus because his blanket is actually blue, ironically, <laughs> and he carries this thing everywhere. They are so, so soft, yet lightweight, and they have a foot pocket that you can tuck your feet into. So like if you're snuggled on the couch for movie night or you're studying in your chair, you just tuck your feet in and you never get cold feet. It's brilliant. I mean, it is so, so brilliant. And the thing is they come in 21 different colors and patterns. So there's truly something for everyone. The newest is Nifty Navajo. And then there's Zesty Zebra. I think I just like saying the names, Chris. (laughs) Zesty Zebra. Um, And there's three sizes. So there's the XXL, which I can snuggle my whole family in and is great for dorms. There's also the regular size and the kid size. So truly something for everyone with the petty pocket blanket. And I will tell you, I absolutely adore them for back to school, but it's also one of my go-to holiday gifts and even a great birthday present. Because that time of year is right around the corner. And uh, yeah, I can see that's perfect for home, perfect for the dorm. Great stuff. Exactly. Finally, I want to ask you about this. It really uh, kind of speaks to you, the the, the theme of your book, Your Fully Charged Life, and uh, filling every day with yay. We all have uh, those kids that are just not looking forward to back to school, just not motivated, not looking forward to it at all. How do we you know, motivate our kids and get them excited about this time of year if they're not naturally? I think, well, first of all, your kids are interpreting your energy. So if you're not excited for back to school, they're not going to be excited for back to school. You know, so I think that you have to mirror the reaction that you want from your kids. But I think it's also about finding ways to punctuate every day with these moments of yay. For instance, National S'mores Day. Why not celebrate the fact that chocolate and marshmallows and graham crackers found each other and we get to eat them, right? (laughs) What are these little ways every day that we can find things to look forward to, find things to get excited about, and allow ourselves those moments of joy and positivity and excitement? She is lifestyle expert and mom, the author of Your Fully Charged Life, Megan B. Murphy, talking about getting ready for back to schools. We're in that mode now. Megan, where do we get more information? MeganBMurphy.com. Very good. We will get the link up on our webpage as well. Check out the book. It is really terrific stuff. Megan, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. This is Good Mornings with Chris Oaks on 1330 WFIN, WFIN.com and 95.5 FM. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Sometimes you don't have to go very far to find the broken news. A Toledo woman is in custody after she fired several shots at a family member who was slashing her tires. What a what a lovely family this must be. <laughs> Police say the incident happened last night on Douglas Road when 19-year-old Christina Wallace was allegedly slashing the tires on her grandmother's car. That's nice. The grandmother, in turn, 55-year-old Jackie Chandler Davis, fired a warning shot into the air followed by two more shots directed at Ms. Wallace. <laughs> Those shots missed her granddaughter and instead hit a passing vehicle. (laughs) The uh, driver of the passing vehicle was not injured, so no injuries in this, thank goodness. But But I'm thinking Thanksgiving dinner must be really interesting in this household. You know what I mean? (laughs) Both uh, Ms. Chandler Davis and Ms. Wallace were arrested and are facing charges. So, <laughs> The family that's jailed together stays together. So, By the way, speaking of odd stories 
out of uh, the Glass City. Did you happen to uh, hear about this earlier in the week? Uh, this story came out. A uh, rather unexpected turn of events. Toledo Public Schools uh, has, uh, I guess, really thrown one woman for a loop. Um, Victoria Tatum uh, discovered that having received her have received having received her diploma from Scott High School in 2007, she never actually graduated. She has her diploma, but she did not graduate, as it turns out, from Scott High School. According to the report, Ms. Tatum's aspiration to pursue college courses led to this startling revelation as her diploma was deemed inadequate for admission to the college. Because I guess when they got her transcripts, they found she was a half credit short of actually graduating. One half credit short of graduating, even though... She has the diploma in her hand. Despite evidence of her academic journey, the school system asserted that no records of her graduation ceremony existed. So, in her transcript, she has the diploma, but according to the school's records, they never gave her one. I don't know how this snafu happens, but um, Ms. Tatum, uh, obviously very aggravated, but determined... Uh, found the suggestion of obtaining a GED unfair and is calling on the school district to rectify the situation swiftly so that she can get on with her life. But I mean, I don't know what they can do. If she's a uh, half credit short, she's a half credit short. She's going to have to go back to high school and take gym class again or something? I don't don't know. I don't know what's going to happen there. Stay tuned. It's weird. She got the diploma, but she never actually graduated. Was it not signed or something? I don't know. Anyway, on to the other uh, broken news. Now, this actually is uh, really sad and disturbing. Um, You know how the wildfire in Hawaii and Lahaina has been so devastating, and there are lots of ways that you can donate to charitable causes for those helping Uh, the uh, people of Maui rebuild. And that always happens after a big disaster like that. Unfortunately, not everyone has the victim's best interest at heart. Case in point, Carrie Palin raised $40,000 from online donors uh, a couple of years ago uh, after the bushfires in Australia. You remember when that was huge and Australia was on fire So this woman raised $40,000 to help the victims of the Australian bushfires, but officials report that the woman instead used the money on hair extensions. I'm not sure that that's what the Australians really needed in recovering from the bushfires, hair extensions. Especially her hair extensions. That, I don't think... She also bought a treadmill and a rug. Uh, The bushfires occurred in late 2019, early 2020, displaced or killed 3 billion animals. Over 300 people donated to uh, Ms. Palin's cause. However, authorities say she only gave about $12.80 to the charity that she claimed to be raising money for. $12.80. The rest of the 40 grand she kept for herself and then blocked donors who asked questions. She later actually turned herself in to police uh, on Friday, was sentenced to a year and four months in prison. Instead of helping the desperate victims of these horrific events, the money was spent on frivolous and unnecessary luxuries, according to police. Wow. Hair extensions. All right. Uh, This from the UK... You remember during lockdown, people were doing all sorts of strange things, maybe because they were just going stir crazy. That actually is the only explanation I can think for this. A woman in the UK who married a man over Zoom that she had never actually physically met has now annulled her marriage. Surprise, surprise, it didn't work out. 27-year-old Asa Reeves met Darren Martin on Facebook in 2020. During lockdown, they entered into an online relationship, and they have still never met in person. 
Uh, she's from the UK. He's actually uh, in Michigan. He lives in Michigan. She's in the UK. Um, she tried to visit uh, Mr. Martin back in July of 2020, but was denied permission to enter the country. She was turned away by immigration because, again, lockdowns. The uh, couple decided, what the heck, we're going to get married over a Zoom call in 2021. Unfortunately, the story goes on to say, unfortunately, the relationship quickly deteriorated and uh, she filed for an annulment, which has now been granted. Can't imagine why this didn't work out. It seemed like such a solid relationship. Um, Ms. Reeves admits, I was in a little bubble. I got so swept up in getting married that I didn't think about how crazy of a thing it actually was to do. Came, came to her senses and fi- filed for an annulment. Well, that has come true. That's come through. <laughs> and finally, from the uh, broken news this morning, um, <laughs> well, talk about unusual business plans. A uh, winery, a uh, winemaker uh, by the name of Ocean Fathoms claims that the best place to let wine ferment is about a mile off the coast of Santa Barbara. <laughs> off the coast of Santa Barbara, California. However, an investigation has found that Ocean Fathoms did not have the proper permission or permits to sell their barnacle-soaked bottles. And up to 2,000 of those bottles, each worth about $500, have been destroyed as part of a plea agreement. Ocean Fathoms was creating and selling its wine without a business license, alcohol sales permit, or federally approved labeling. They had none of it. (laughs) And the company has now uh, agreed as part of a plea settlement to destroy up to 2,000 bottles of their wine. By the way, the company is still around, and they do now have proper FDA approval. Ocean-aged wine has also been sampled from bottles retrieved from shipwrecks, but this is not that. They were actually creating new wine by fermenting it, uh, by sinking it off the coast, (laughs) Santa Barbara. Sounded like a good idea at the time, but they've had to destroy 2,000 of those bottles at 500 bucks a piece. Well, lesson learned there. Get your business permit and your alcohol license first. That's the message there. There you go, some of the uh, broken news this morning. An update on the odd and unusual side of the headlines. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. The Finley Trojans play here on WFIN. This is Tim Montgomery. Join me and Coach Cliff Height for all the action of Trojan football. You'll get every exciting play each Friday night, all season long, home and away. The Trojans open the season Friday night at home with Toledo Central Catholic. Finley Trojan football is here on 1330 WFIN, WFIN.com, and 95.5 FM. Time now for your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. The money is officially gone. You remember back during the pandemic, one of the silver linings was that Americans' savings rates actually went way up. People were saving a lot of money, and it was really easy to see why. I mean, the government sent out three rounds of stimulus checks and expanded unemployment benefits for those whose jobs were in jeopardy. And, of course, most of us had... That we're spending less money because there just wasn't any place to spend it. Everything was shut down. So the savings rate in this country went way up during the pandemic. It was one of the rare silver linings in the COVID cloud. But uh, that money is now gone. The San Francisco Federal Reserve reports that the excess savings that was accumulated by Americans during the pandemic will largely be erased by the end of this quarter. So, but it appears that not too many of us are very concerned about that. According to a new survey of 2,000 Americans, 69% of us say that we have a clear plan to manage our money 
through at least the end of this year. 69%, so nearly 7 in 10, say no big deal. We've got a plan. 64% uh, 64 feel in control of their finances and say they have maintained this financial security through budgeting, paying off debt, and having an emergency fund. That, again, kind of runs counter to what the Fed is saying, that much of that savings has been exhausted. But this is the way Americans feel, according to the survey. Now, that's not to say that everything is fine, everything is hunky-dory. Half of Americans in this survey, fully half, say they do feel stressed by their bank account balance. Some of the other stressors that people are feeling financially these days. Budgeting for big purchases. And 18% say they are stressed about owing taxes. And yeah, before you know it, we're going to have to start thinking about that again. Don't remind us. Once again, my wife Kyra has joined us in the studio. It is time for another collection of yummy and easy-to-make family recipes from Kyra's Kitchen. Good morning. Good morning. Morning, sunshine, bright and cheery, and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> everything this morning. Um, we got, busy uh, weekend. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a very busy week. Kyra's going yep. to be busy in the kitchen uh, this yes, weekend. So we got a uh, family gathering uh, this yep. weekend, so making some food. And, yep. Yeah, yep. it's going to be a very busy weekend. Um, we don't have a uh, theme necessarily no, uh, for this, this week, uh, although we do have uh, one recipe that uh, you got from a friend. So yes. this is well, uh, that's and then cool. the last recipe. This is like August is like all of our. Birth- yeah, there's like this tons is, of birthdays. We mentioned for that uh, Kyra's going to be busy in the in the yes. kitchen this weekend uh, because. It is uh, August is a busy month for our family. We've got a yes. lot of uh, birthdays. Yes. And uh, that's what this is. This uh, gathering this weekend is another birthday. Uh, so it's like every weekend we're celebrating <laughs> at least one birthday uh, in our family. And so we've got a uh, dessert recipe that kind of uh, plays into Goes that. with all of our birthdays. Exactly. But uh, before we get to that, let's start with the cheesy honey mustard chicken yep. recipe. Yes. Which so, is something you tried, what, the other day? Yes, and, I tried so. it the other day. I just did half the recipe because it was pretty much much just me and i yeah. had the leftovers the next day that were really good <laughs> so, so so there you go not yes. only is this good once but it's good oh, the second yes. time around as Most well definitely cheesy honey mustard chicken yes so four boneless chicken breasts three three fourths cup honey a half a cup of dijon mustard one teaspoon of lemon juice half a teaspoon of paprika salt and pepper to taste uh half a cup of chopped cooked bacon and one you said, cup you said uh, half a cup one fourth says, cup. Oh, I'm fourth sorry. Cup. Yeah, One okay. fourth cup chopped bacon. Not if that you want really, if uh, bacon is bacon. Guess, yeah. If you want, if you want, you can put never a, have too much bacon. If you want to put a I cup say go in ahead. There, uh, half a go cup ahead. at least. Yes, yeah, but anyway. whatever you like. So. <laughs> Uh, one cup of shredded mozzarella cheese. So preheat your oven to 375 degrees. Season your chicken breast with your uh, lemon pepper. Um or if you don't have lemon pepper, salt and pepper works also. Place in a 9 by 13 inch baking dish. Combine honey, mustard, the honey, the mustard, the lemon juice, and the paprika. Pour that over your chicken. Bake for 20 to 25 minutes. Then uh, top each of your chicken breasts with some of the uh, chopped bacon and mozzarella cheese. Continue to bake for about 10 minutes or, ch- cheese to, or until the cheese starts to brown up. And then enjoy. So you said that you you uh, halved that recipe yes, because it was it. just you Correct. and you had enough for leftovers the next day. Right. So is this a recipe just for two? Um, I mean, if you want no, leftovers, you I guess. This, I mean, it depends on how big your chicken breasts are. I, yeah, I, that's I mean, true. I guess it is If you have four. the bigger uh, four boneless chicken breasts, then that's going to feed a family of four because okay. they're I mean, but you won't have. You probably breasts. won't have any leftovers. No, you won't have any leftovers. So if you want leftovers, yeah, you then may want six yeah. or ten yeah. or <laughs> however many. I, I was just when you mentioned yeah. that you halved it and that was enough for you. Yeah. alone i thought well is this a recipe for two or is this a recipe for a family of four so yeah. all right uh anyway but uh, there you go the cheesy honey mustard chicken yes. uh, does sound yummy um said sorry i missed that we'll have to do yes. that again uh to go along with that and this is the uh, recipe you got this from a friend of yours yes. uh the canadian poutine yes so eight ounce white cheddar cheese curds if you don't have that mozzarella cheese will work also your fries are four medium uh 
potatoes and then your vegetable oil. And then for your gravy, it's one and a half cups of beef broth, half a teaspoon of onion powder, half a teaspoon of garlic powder, two teaspoons of Worcestershire sauce, uh, three fourth cup of chicken broth, two and a half tablespoons of cornstarch and salt and pepper to taste. So wash and cut your potatoes into a quarter inch thick fries. Soak in a large bowl full of cold water for about 45 minutes. That just kind of helps firm them up mm-hmm. in the cold water. And I put mine in the fridge also um, and let okay. them soak for that 45 minutes. All right. And it just kind of gives them a really good crisp uh, when you fry them in the oil. Yeah. I like I like so, crispy fries yes. myself. Yes. So. so dry very thoroughly with your paper towels. Uh, heat one and a half to two inches of vegetable oil in a Dutch oven or a heavy pot, or if you have a deep fryer, mm-hmm. uh, at three hundred twenty-five degrees. Cook the fries for five to seven minutes. Place them on paper towel to drain. Uh, work in batches so you don't crowd your fryer. Uh, heat the oil to three hundred sixty degrees. Fry the potatoes again until they are golden brown, uh-huh. golden brown, and extra. Crispy. So that's the key. Yes. You actually do them twice. Twice. Okay. Yes. So place on the paper towels to drain, uh, work in batches again. Uh, meanwhile, add the beef broth and onion powder, garlic powder, and your Worcestershire sauce to a small saucepan over medium heat. Bring to a low boil just above a, sim- a simmer, whisking frequently. Then in a small bowl, whisk together your chicken broth and your cornstarch. Whisk that then into the beef broth mixture um, and that's what's going to uh, thicken it up Um, then add salt and pepper to taste to assemble sprinkle the cheese curds over the fries pop them in the oven at 450 degrees for three to four minutes just to melt the butter Mm -hmm. then spoon the hot gravy over the top and for the best results serve promptly because that's what i mean poutine is yes. uh canadian basically loaded fries yes it's cheese yes. and gravy mm-hmm. uh, loaded what we call in this country loaded fries loaded fries um, although you we use cheese and bacon <laughs> right cheese they and bacon use cheese and gravy cheese and gravy <laughs> and you have some uh, bacon left over from your yeah. chicken oh, put or that your on cheesy top. honey mustard chicken. Oh, put that on. Put there that are no on rules top. here. There, there right. are no rules We're, here. This, this is America. America. <laughs> this is America. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, lastly, for dessert, and this is our birthday uh, recipe, our August birthday yes. recipe in our family, the birthday cake delight. Yes. So one 14.3 ounce package of vanilla sandwich cookies, approximately 36 cookies, uh, and it'll be about two <laughs> Is that where my vanilla crushed. sandwich cookies yes, went? Yes, that's where they went. That's where they went. Sorry, I was trying honey. to figure out where those uh, <laughs> those went. Anyway, okay, go ahead. Six tablespoons of salted butter melted, 16 ounce cream cheese at room temperature, three-fourths cup of powdered sugar, one teaspoon of vanilla extract, 16 ounce tub of frozen whipped topping, defrost and divided, a half a cup of rainbow sprinkles, plus more for garnishment if you want, uh, two, three, four, 3.4 ounce packages of vanilla flavored ice, instant pudding mix, and then two cups of milk. So butter your eight by eight glass baking dish and set it aside in a bowl of a food processor. Crush your vanilla uh, sandwich cookies until they're nice and small crumbs. Um, Add your melted butter and pulse until that's going to get combined. Then you're going to press your cookies into your greased baking dish. Place that in the freezer for about 10 minutes to chill while preparing your next layer. Then with with your electric mixer, blend together your cream cheese, your powdered sugar, your vanilla, and one cup of whipped Topping until smooth and creamy. That'll take about five minutes. Add your sprinkles just until the combined. Uh, spread your cream cheese mixture over top your over top of your chilled cookie crumb layer. Place back into the freezer for about ten minutes. Then, with your electric mixer, combine both packages of pudding mix and milk and. And one cup of whipped topping, whisk all that together, uh, then make sure that that thickens up. Spread that layer on top of your cream cheese layer, chill for about 30 minutes, <laughs> uh, gently top with some whipped topping and some sprinkles, and chill until ready to serve. Okay. Uh, sounds like there's it's a, a layer. Yeah, it, yeah, it's a layer. There's a lot to that, but it's yeah. worth the effort. Yes. It's worth it's, the effort. It's not that bad, because yeah. while you're doing, while it's in the freezer, yeah. you're doing the next layer. So it's go. it's not as 
time consuming as it as it sounds. It sounds yeah. Yes. Uh, the cheesy honey mustard chicken, the Canadian poutine, and the birthday cake delight recipes are all posted on the Kyra's Kitchen Facebook page at Kyra's Kitchen WFIN on Facebook. Yep. And of course, you can share your own recipes or ask questions, suggest recipes. If you have anything you're looking for, uh, make a request there on the uh, Facebook page as well. So follow, Ky- follow, follow Kyra's Kitchen on Facebook at Kyra's Kitchen WFIN. My wife, Kyra, thanks very much. You're welcome. And that will finish up our podcast for today. I want to thank all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning. Remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each and every day on the show at our webpage. Check us out online at goodmornings.net. Coming up Monday on the program, artificial intelligence may finally be the technology that lives up to the promise of making our lives easier. And even though AI is still in its infancy, one expert says it's already being underutilized in business. So until Monday morning, that is good mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day, a great weekend. We'll catch you back here next week.